Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I'm uh, so excited today to, uh, we're kind of, I call them standalones. It's not really a series, kind of one of those things that's on your heart. And you get to preach and then we'll, we'll pick up with a new, I'm thinking of a new series. Pastor Jacob and I talked about it yesterday about collaborating on uh, the words of Jesus from the cross. And you think about all the things that Jesus said while he was on the cross. As we get our hearts prepared for Easter, think about that. The words of Jesus from the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The words of Jesus, today you'll be with me in paradise. Even, even when he looked down and looked at John and said, woman, your, your son, son, your mother. Just things from the cross. And so I'm really excited. To, I know God's going to share and speak with us next week. and excited about that. But I, I get to talk about one of my favorite subjects. And I wish if, I think it's probably one of the most misunderstood and not preached enough in, in churches. And in, even, even in ours. So I'm, I'm not putting that on every church. I'm just saying for our church. And uh, I want to, and I was, I came to church this morning and I wasn't sure what the worship team was going to be singing. And uh, they came in with, they dusted off one of those old songs a little bit and sing, this is amazing grace. And uh, so I'd like to, my, the title of my message today is Amazing Grace. Everybody say grace. Ah, it's what a great word, grace. And I hope you have a better understanding of grace when you leave today than when you walked in today. Uh, I'm going to encourage you a little bit with grace. I think you're going to walk out going, thank you, Jesus, for your amazing grace. But I think you're also going to walk out challenged a little bit as well, because I'm going to give you a hard one to do when you leave here today. You're going to go, oh, he has made me glad and mad all in the same sermon. And so I want you to lean in today. So we're going to be talking about grace. People try to define grace. It's hard to define. I've heard it defined. Grace stands for God's riches at Christ's expense. And, and that's, that partially gets it, but it, it, does, it kind of falls short. I've heard people say things like this. Mercy is not receiving what you do deserve. Haven't you ever received mercy? You, you, you should have got something, but you got mercy instead. Well, grace then would be defined as receiving something that you don't deserve. Grace. And so I think that's, a, that's pretty good too, but it's, it just doesn't quite encapsulate what grace really is. Uh, to say someone deserves grace is really a contradiction in terms. Because grace is unearned, like you can't earn it. You can't do anything to increase it or to get it. It's grace. And I love, Pastor Myron did a fantastic job with communion today. D didn't he do a great job with communion today? Plus it's his birthday a few days ago. Listen, don't just, just give him money afterwards, okay? Anyway. Uh, no, just a fantastic job because you, while we were yet sinners, the Bible says. So Jesus was going to the cross already in advance to give us grace before we were even born. He knew that we were going to be in sin. We are sinners. No, no, look to your neighbor. Just tell him you're a sinner. No, you're a bad sinner. No, we, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I mean, we're still a work in progress. And so it's unmerited, it's undeserved, it's unearned. And, and those, are, those are good, good attempts. I, I often said, you know, grace is a lot easier to describe it than it is to define it. And uh, you got to go to the Word, and you'll, you'll see some, some scriptures here. And in fact, I'm going to go to an Old Testament story in a moment. But I want to show you what John wrote. I love John. I'm reading the book of John now, my own personal studies. Watch what John was saying about this Jesus. The word became flesh, Jesus, and he made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father. And he was what? Full of grace 
and truth. Have you ever met someone full of truth but not full of grace? I mean, you go, man, it's true, but man, if you, if you, man, you got to soften up a little, bro. I've, I've had to, I've had to, through my years of ministry, had to pull a brother aside before and said, dude, what you're saying is right, but you are so harsh. Nobody's receiving the truth you have because you have no grace. And I love what it says, grace and truth. It doesn't say Jesus full of truth and grace. No, it said grace was first and then truth. Oh, come on, husband, you ought to be picking up on something right now. If you get a little more grace, she might receive your truth. And all the women said? Yeah. <laughs> grace and truth. They're married. And, and so I've jokingly, and this is a joke, by the way. So I'm about, what I'm about to say is a joke. I'm over-exaggerating. At least I told you. Uh, Heidi and I joke sometimes. I say, Heidi, you know, Heidi's personality, which I love. I love her personality. She is a get-her-done kind of girl. She's like, uh-uh, mama don't play. Uh-uh, we ain't playing. Hold my purse. You know, that's, that's, that's her. What are we doing? Here's the schedule. Stay on the schedule. That's what we're doing today. Wake up. Let's, let's, let's get it done. Daylight is burning. We got to get it done. Let's move the ball. And I've always been kind of, what are we doing today, baby? I'm kind of like, no, no, baby, we, no, if we stay on the schedule, we, we miss stuff. We miss the roses. You got to stop and, you've ever heard that? Stop and smell the roses. She's like, we ain't got time to smell no roses. Nuh-uh. <laughs> no. And I said, I said, baby, you're the Old Testament. Truth. <laughs> Hear the truth. And I said, and I'm the New Testament, full of grace. <laughs> How many of you know you need them both? You can't just have one. You got to have them both. And so... Grace and truth. So I want to just go to an Old Testament story because, I, again, I don't think you can define grace. I think you got to see grace. It's tough to define. you got to kind of see it. And you can see it throughout the Scripture, but I want to take you to one of my favorite examples of grace in Scripture. Everybody say grace. So I'm going to take you back to an old story that if you went to Sunday school as a child, you're going to remember this story. It's called Jonah and the... Oh, Jonah and the whale. And for those who aren't familiar, Jonah, we're going to go all the way back to the Old Testament. And we're going to, and here's basically the story. Is Jonah's going to get swallowed up by a big fish. Wow. How many fishermen do we have in the room? Yeah. And how many of you, you're still trying to catch that big one, right? You want that big one. Yeah, so how many would, in this story, Jonah gets swallowed by the fish, right? He, he didn't catch it. He got caught by it. And so there are many skeptics about Scripture that do not believe that this is even possible, that a man could be swallowed by a fish and then actually live in its belly for three days and then get vomited out, which has got to be a great experience. <laughs> I mean, I've vomited plenty of times in my life, Strawberry Hill, Turkey uh, Tickle Pink. <laughs> How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah, y'all need to get saved, right? I mean, it's, you think of that experience. I can't imagine being the thing that comes out. Blah, there, there it is. So skeptics don't believe that this is even possible. And, but, but I want you to know that Jesus is actually going to reference Jonah. This is free, by the way. He's actually going to reference Jonah in the New Testament when talking about his death, how he's going to be in the grave for three days. And then he's going to rise again. And he's going to reference Jonah in the Old Testament as the example of that. So Jesus referenced it. How many of you know when there is a divide between what skeptics say, whether it's real or not? How many of you know? I'm just, I'm just going to give you a piece of advice. Just go with Jesus. If Jesus says it happened, guess what, folks? It happened. So this story is, is, is going to help all of us see the grace of God. Let me give you a little historical context and then we'll jump in it. Jonah lived near Nazareth in, in, in Israel in 8th century before Christ. Israel is at this really unique time. Doesn't happen often in the Old Testament. They're in about a 40-year period of nothing but peace. Doesn't happen often. There are two arch nemesis, the Armenians, excuse me, the Arameans and the Assyrians, for some reason, have taken a break from attacking Israel 
but have, and have become preoccupied with other things. And during these 40 years of peace, God is going to call Jonah on a mission of grace. In fact, let's pick up the story in the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The Lord gave this message to Jonah. He said, read the yellow with me. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. That's where the Assyrians live. That is their capital city. The arch enemies of Israel. Go to Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and, got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Just by show of hands, have any of you ever been running from God? All right. The rest of you are lying. Okay, here we go. You may be running right now. He went down. Watch what he does. He goes down to the port of Joppa. He didn't just run. He goes to the port of Joppa where he finds a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket. He went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Again, let me just, just so you'll know graphics or uh, what do you call maps? Geography, thank you. To get from where he is, get up and go to Nineveh, is 500 miles to the northeast. But he got up and went 2,300 miles to the southwest, about as far as one could possibly get in the opposite direction from where God wanted him to be. He was not content in simply telling God no. He went the opposite direction. He runs. He doesn't run someplace safe and familiar. He runs as far away to one of the most dangerous forms of travel by ship in one of the worst seas in the world and, and begins to run to the most dangerous place in the world. Now, I don't know what happens to us when we run from God, but it's pretty familiar that when you're going away from God or what you usually run to the most dangerous places and hang out with the most dangerous people. Some years ago, when Heidi and I were first place of ministry, uh, we were in this, we were, I was a student pastor and Heidi was a children's pastor at a church in New Orleans. And we would just got there maybe six months or so. And uh, they said, okay, we got to get ready for the Mardi Gras outreach. And I said, what's Mardi Gras? Okay, I'm from Texas. We, we didn't celebrate Mardi Gras where I'm from. I don't know, y'all didn't know that the rest of the world doesn't all stop and everybody take a break, don't go to school and chase chickens. <laughs> Not everybody does that. So I go, what's Mardi Gras? Oh, Mardi Gras, there's these big floats that come by, it's a big party, they throw beads off and they go, okay, you catch it, go, okay. what's the point? No, you get these beads. Okay, okay. And so I, I got to experience, what, you know, what we would call the little family parades. You know, one came by my house, and we just stood out there. And we all stood out there for hours waiting for the parade to come. And then they threw us beads. And I, and I caught one. And I was like, this is it, right? And they go, yeah, this is Mardi Gras. Great. What do we do now? Oh, we're going to chase a chicken. Oh, you go, what? It, it didn't compute. Now I get a little bit. I get it better. And so they go, we're going to do this outreach. And uh, so these, these college students came in from around the country. They stayed at our church. The organizer of the outreach event, I was just one of the leaders. And uh, he said, okay, Pastor Eugene, I'm going to give you a group. And we're going to assign y'all a place to go and pass out tracks and do that's little pamphlets to talk about salvation. And you're going to pass those out and you're going to share the gospel with people at the Mardi Gras parades. Great. So here's where we want you and your team to go. Bourbon Street. <laughs> I'm, in Bourbon, I'm on Bourbon Street in the middle of Mardi Gras. You can't. This is packed. You can't. It's like you just walking. I kept my, I just, 
There was stuff going on at the balconies. I just kept quoting, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I just kept my head down. I go, so this is Mardi Gras. And uh, I remember I just stood there in the middle of the road because people were just, and, and, and people were not nice. They were not happy to see me. And it was like, man, Jesus loves you. Yeah, Jesus, oh, blame, you got two spit on, just, just. Yeah, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. God bless you, sir. Yeah, same to you. No, I didn't say that. Uh, you know, you're just, you're standing there in the middle, and I'm thinking, is this even working? Should I even be here right now? Thy words, a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. And then the, it's almost like this, the, the, the two people parted, and then there's this one young man, probably about my age, walking, and he just was like, what are you doing here? And I said, the question is, what are you doing here? I said, I just want to tell you, Jesus loves you. And he just stood there, just head dropped. And I said, what are you doing here? And he said, I'm running from God. Isn't it crazy about us? That when we're running from God, we run as far away as we possibly can to the most dangerous places that we hang out with the most dangerous of people. Running from God. That's what happens when people run from God. They run to the strangest, most dangerous places and hang with some of the most dangerous people. Running from the Lord. I, I know why Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. I mean, it's, if, if, you, if you figure it out, you can understand a little bit with Jonah. The Assyrians were famous for attacking the Jews. They would capture some of the Jews, take them back to Nineveh, boil them. Yeah, boil them, cut their skins off, and hang them out to dry for the world to see. Now, they were wicked. They, they were notorious for their wickedness and their evilness. They made cruelty an art. And so from Jonah's point of view, they're not worth saving. The last thing he wanted to do was to be God's missionary of grace to a wicked people. They didn't deserve grace, did they? They deserve judgment. And Jonah is running from it. So he runs. But he's about to learn a very valuable lesson. for, her. And we get to learn it too. Thank you, Jonah. You can run, run from God but you can't outrun God. Oh, he's there. He's always there. Ah, uh, anybody ever run from God? Oh, man. I can remember times I was running from God. I can remember sitting on the back of a pickup truck, drinking beer, looking up at the sky, and somebody go, I wonder who put those skies up there, those stars. I don't know. I think God did it. One day I'm going to serve God. You know, just witnesses, even on the back of a pickup truck. He is still there, even when you think he's not there. You can't run. So Jonah, Jonah's going to get on this boat. And as the boat begins to sail towards Tarshish, there's going to be a storm that's going to come upon them. In fact, the storm is going to come so strong that they, the sailors can't even, can't even paddle against it anymore. They're going to start throwing cargo off the bus. By the way, if you're going through a storm right now, and some of us are, if you're walking through something, sometimes it's not always the devil. It could be something that's showing I'm going the wrong way. And so there's a storm. In fact, the sailors begin to cast lots to decide which person has brought this calamity upon them. And we're going to pick up in Jonah verse 8, chapter 1. Why has this awful storm come down on us? They demanded, who are you? Speaking to Jonah, what is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? And Jonah answered them, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. And the sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them that he was running from the Lord. I got to give it up for Jonah. At least he's honest with everybody. 
Oh, come on, Christian. You need to learn this, at least to be honest of where he really is. And he's saying, I'm running from God. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. God's giving to him a witness, even on a boat from a bunch of pagans. Why are you running from God? And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop the storm? And Jonah answers, throw me into the sea and it will come calm again. I know that this, this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rode even harder to get the ship to land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Are y'all picking up what I'm laying down? Now even the pagans are now praying to Jonah's God. Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the sea and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and a vow to serve him. Okay, just stop for just one second. Can I show you something that's just happening? Here's a man who's running from God, but yet he's taking ownership of where he is. He's repenting really to them for him being on the boat. Can I say something to you? We will not always be a great example to the world that's watching. What does that mean? It means you may blow it at work, but if you'll walk up in there and say, please forgive me, I take ownership of this, it's my fault, that is still a witness to people around you and they may end up coming to know Jesus just like these sailors did by you owning it and showing a good example. Do you receive that? Yeah, yeah. No, no. We, we, we have someone in our church. I have to tell you how they came to our church, how they got saved, born again, and they're part, they're part of our leaders in our church. How did it happen? They were in a place of work, and I won't say it because you'll start putting all the pieces together, and their boss had an anger issue. And he would curse like a sailor and throw things. And they would all just duck. That boss started coming to church, got born again. They knew it. They knew it. This, this lady's never been to our church. They knew it. And all of a sudden, he comes in one to work, gets mad, throws something, and curses. Walks out the door. Turns around, he's in our church, comes back in and said, please forgive me, I've turned my life over to Jesus, that's the old me, I don't want to be that, would y'all please forgive me for acting that way? And they all went. People are now coming to the church because of, he went and apologized for owning it. That's where Jonah is. Are y'all checking? Verse 17, now the Lord had arranged for a great fish. They throw him off the boat. And the Lord arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. I wonder how long it took for Jonah to finally repent. I don't think it took Jonah three days and nights to finally agree with God. I think he was bargaining with God from the very first moment that he figured out it was in the belly of a fish. I know this to be true. I don't know about it. It's called the discipline of God. Bargaining. Hey, you ever bargained? God, if you get me out of this one. Lord, if you just get me out of this one, this last time, I promise you, I'll serve you all the days of my I remember my father... My dad's, my dad's over here. Dad, dad I, I appreciate this now. I didn't appreciate it then, but my father would spank me when I was a child. And I was disobedient or disrespectful. He would spank me. And back in those days, it was, how, how many men remember? It was the belt. Any of y'all ever get the belt? Yeah, it was the belt. You remember that sound? 
that your father with this belt, you could hear it. I still get PTSD with that sound. When I take my own belt off, I'm going, ugh. Remember when your father would say, like, get in your room, I'm coming. And man, remember you started bargaining right away? It's like, Dad, no, 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 Dad, we don't need to do this. I'll wash the car. I'll do whatever it takes to do it. Dad, it's all good. I mean, I'd be in my room sacrificing small animals, doing whatever I had to do <laughs> just to relinquish what was about to come, the discipline. I, I don't think Jonah's in the well. I think, I think he's in the well going, Lord, I'm done. Lord, please forgive me. Day one. I don't think it took a while. I think he's in there. I don't think it took three days for him to repent. I don't think it was three days of repentance. I think the reason why it took three days for, for, for Jonah is for it took three days for Jonah to learn his lesson. Everybody say the lesson. Oh, see, the, the, it doesn't pass until you get the lesson. The test doesn't pass until you get the lesson. What's the lesson? God, what are you trying to show me? What, what is it? The lesson. I need the lesson. No, somebody needs to hear that this morning. You're in a storm. You feel like you're in it. And you keep going, God, get me out of it. Instead of going, no, God, give me the lesson. What are you trying to show me? Lord, I repent. Please forgive me. It's not the devil. It may be a self-induced storm. The reason why you're walking through this is because of the, your own decisions and your own direction. And God's been waiting for you to finally just turn to him and go, Lord, what is it? Give me, give me the lesson. And it took Jonah three days just to get the lesson. Heidi and I shared last week with raising children, and uh, we didn't get opportunity to tell the story uh, with our children. Just, just to show you grace. Um, Hillary was our firstborn child. Uh, like most firstborn children, they're, they're very compliant that's naturally. I know there's exceptions to that. You may go, I ain't my first, my first child's the devil. You know, whatever. <laughs> but usually the firstborn is very compliant. They're like, yes, sir. No, ma'am. Yes, I will do that right away. And they'll go and, and do it. But, but so, so they'll, they'll, you got to be careful with firstborn children. And I'm not saying Hillary did this. I'm sure she did. Firstborn children will not re rebel on the outside They'll say, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. But they'll walk away and rebel in their heart. So they'll, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. But then they'll go clean their room, and the whole time they're cleaning room, they're going, they are just tyrants. I hate them. <laughs> but you don't even know it. You're thinking, oh, what a good child. No, they're wicked. <laughs> right? But, so that was, that was Hillary. Did you get Hannah, who was on the outside, Right? I don't want to clean my room. Shut up. You know, we didn't, we never used the S word in our house. So we got, you know, she was like, oh, oh, that's dumb. Yeah, yeah. Her rebellion was, at least you knew what you had to deal with, right? So you got one over here that's going, yeah, I know, sir, but stabbing you in the back. And then you got a, one child just going, here's the knife. Ah, and you go, ah. You, you knew, knew what to deal with. And then, of course, then there's William. So proud of William. He was kind of like both, you know, yes, sir, you know, he, yes, sir, <laughs> you know. I, so things would happen with Hannah, especially she got in trouble more than all the other two combined. Because she was like, rah, because she's like her mama. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> no, Heidi's firstborn, she was compliant. So uh, uh, Hannah would go, we'd go like, and this hurts a teenager, right? This will hurt them. You want to hurt them? Don't do this. Just say, give me that. She freaks. I mean, she manifests. No, really, Dad, beat me. No, give me the phone. She's negotiating, right? And so... And then she would come immediately, like that day. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. I repent. I repent. Did she really repent? No, she wanted her phone back. We go, no, you ain't getting your phone back. Two weeks. 
14 days? 14? That is cruel. That is whatever they call it, punishment. That is beyond justice. 14 days. 14 days. Dad, the world could end in 14 days. You'll hear about it live. You'll just experience it. You won't know what's coming. It'll be great. You'll be fine. And so she would, she tried three days later, please, I am so sorry. Please, her mom would look at her and go, "Mm -mm. now 14 days, you got 11 days left. (laughs) Usually about day 11, you'd see her come in. Mom and dad, can I talk to you? Yes. I deserve this. I'm, I, I've got rebellion, and I've asked God to forgive me. And I'm sorry. I know I've disappointed you all. Would you please forgive me? We forgive you, Hannah. Okay, that's it. And you go. And then about an hour later, I'd go knock on her. Hannah, it's Dak. What's up? No, thank you. I appreciate you coming and owning it. No, Dad, I, I, I'm so sorry. Hey. No, no, Dad, it's so cool. I got three days left. I know, baby. But I want to show you grace. I just wanted you to get the lesson. And I'm glad it didn't take 14. It took 11. And now I want to grace you. I want to restore back to you what was taken from you. Look at me. Look at me. No, don't clap yet. Don't think God won't do the same thing with you. He was just waiting for you to go, I own it. God, I repent. If you say you're sorry just to get the phone back, you didn't get the lesson. You just say you're sorry because you hurt your parents, you hurt God, you hurt your family, you hurt the sailors on the boat, you hurt everybody else around you. And then when you go, God, it's me, please forgive me. And then when he comes and you go, no, I don't deserve it. I know you don't deserve it, baby. That's why they call it grace, because none of us deserve what he has bestowed upon us. You can't earn it. It just comes from him because he's madly in love with you. That's why it's called grace. Now you can clap. Watch this. Watch it. So he, Jonah gets, look what Jonah says while he's in the belly. I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. Yeah, he did. And he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. Maybe perhaps then it was that Jonah realized that the purpose of God's discipline, look at right here, look at me. The purpose of God's discipline is never to get you back. His purpose for discipline is to bring you back. That's the purpose of the discipline of the Lord. He's not trying to pay you back. He's trying to bring you back to the very place that he always wanted you to be. So while I don't think it took Jonah three days to repent, I do think he repented for three days. And during that time, it dawned on him that to run from God is to run from grace. I just don't feel the grace. Now, where are you running? Where are you running? Jonah's going to get spit out of the well. He's, I mean, out of yeah, the belly of the fish. He's going to be vomited out. Blah. Oh, I, I hope when we get to heaven, y'all, that God goes, and we, can we see the Jonah and the whale thing? Can we see it? And I hope, he, I hope he has a screen like this, and we get to actually see it. It'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on GodTube. Yeah, God too, third, third, you know, third, third, third season. And we get to watch it. Wouldn't that be cool? Just to go watch it. No, no, replay it. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. And, it, and if there are phones in heaven, I don't know, there may be. If there are, we could all meme and send it to each other. Watch that. 
just, I wonder what he looked like, what he smelled like. Watch what happens. Jonah's going to get up and he's going to obey. The very first thing God told him to at the beginning, go and pronounce my judgment. And watch what's going to happen. On the day Jonah entered the city and he shouted to the crowds, an eight-word sermon, only eight words. Forty days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Amen. Vic, come join me on the piano. That's what he said for three days. Forty days from now, Nineveh is going to be destroyed. Probably with all the enthusiasm of reading an eye chart. I want to show you Jonah chapter 3, verse 10. Watch this. Something happened. They believed him. And then it says the people heard it and started repenting. Eight words. I'm working really hard up here. With a bunch of words. Eight. Appa loses, repent, or you're going to be destroyed. And they just broke. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed. He did what? He changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction that he threatened. What do you call that? Oh, no, say it. What did he call it? Oh, if you think God would have grace on a bunch of Ninevites who would boil people and scratch their skin out to to, uh, intimidate their enemies, and if they would repent and God would give them grace. What do you think happens to us when we repent? God gives us his grace. Oh, his grace. This would be a great ending of a story, right? God was right. Jonah was wrong. The prophet obeyed. The city repents. Mission accomplished. God relents. And there's no destruction to the city. Come on, let's give God a round of applause. Well, way to go, God, right? Victor, help me out. But that's not the end of the story. I wish that was the end of the story, but it's not the end of the story. Now Jonah's got an issue. In fact, the scripture's going to give us the issue. It's found in Jonah chapter 4. They repented, and God graced them. And watch Jonah. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. And he becomes angry. Come on, God! Watch what happens. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love, and you are eager to turn back from destroying people. Knew it. How many of you ever prayed this prayer? Sick them, Jesus. He's mad because Jesus isn't doing judgment. He wanted judgment when God wanted compassion. He wanted vindication when God said, no, I want to bring grace. No, God, no, 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 no. This is, this is the Assyrians. You can't extend to them grace. They are wicked, and they were. But when God saw repentance, he only knows how to He only knows how to give what comes out of him. Grace. Oh, thank you for this amazing grace. Thank you. Jonah wanted justice. God insisted on mercy. Jonah wanted judgment. And God opted for compassion. So here's the conclusion of the story. 
Because I don't think Jonah's alone in this. But before we're too hard on Jonah, let's take a little bit of an inventory in your own life and mine. Who are the people in your life that you have a hard time extending grace to? I'm going to let it rest a second. No, you can name them. Who are the people in your life that you have a hard time extending grace to? Whose calamity, calamity would you secretly celebrate? Republicans, Democrats, rich people, black people, white people, brown people, red people, skinny people, Muslims. Just, but that's pretty broad, right? Let's narrow it down a bit. Let's, let's shrink the circle. What about your brother-in-law who divorced your sister? I'll kill him. No, no. He gets what he gets what he got coming. What about your ex? Ex-boss, ex-wife, ex-husband. What about what about your ex-boyfriend, your ex-girlfriend? What about them? What about your boss now? Those are people who need God's grace. And God may assign you the task of extending that grace in their direction. We got a world sitting outside. When you walk out these doors, I wish the world was like here. Wouldn't, this, this, is, this is not really reality. Like you could come in, I'm going to get me a latte. And you come in, you sit down here, and, and uh, Victor and the team is going to lead you all. And they did a great job this morning. It was a beautiful song. It was just yeah. oh, good. And you're going to leave out here. Then you're going to go right back out into this world. Right? Grace has two sides to it. It's something to be received, and it's also something to be extended. And if you're not extending grace, it may be because you haven't received grace. So can I just pray for you right now? Because I want you to receive the grace of God. God's grace to be upon you. What does that mean? It means you gotta, you got to receive that He loves you, He's for you. He's not against you. You don't deserve God's grace. Because if you start thinking you could earn it, I know you might have grown up in a tradition that taught you that, that you need to earn the goodness and the graces of God. That's not true. Grace is a free gift from God. He gives it. He's the one who gives it out. And you got to just go, I received this grace from him that my my security of going to heaven is not based on my goodness or my badness. It's based on the goodness of Jesus that he went to a cross. I'm putting all my eggs in his basket. If that's the way you get to heaven, that's I'm trusting in him for forgiveness of my sin and for to receive the grace of God. God's grace. He loves you. He loves you. Could you say, he loves me. He loves you. Receive that grace. Can we just thank him for his amazing grace? Thank you for your amazing grace. Now let's don't clap. Let's don't clap for a second. We just thank him out loud. Just thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for your grace. Even, look, I'm older now. Even in my darkest time, even in my belly, my belly, well belly days, Lord, you were there. Even, even in days before Christ, you were still there. Days when I'm running from you, you were already there. I thought I was outrunning you, but you were still there waiting for me. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for not giving me what I deserve. Thank you, Father, for giving me more than I could ever deserve. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your amazing grace. I pray over this congregation that we would receive now by the Holy Spirit, receive the grace of God. God's grace. But now let me give you number two. Receive God's grace, and let me give you number two. This is the hard part. Extend it. You receive it freely, then you got to give it freely. 
Let him go. Yep. Off the hook. Yep. Scot free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they ain't apologized yet. I know. And they may never apologize. But you can still let him go. You can let him go. You can say, I grace him. We've had some, Heidi and I, through our personal life, have had some, the old knife in the back, you know. Um, There may be a day that we get to even sit down with some people in the future to discuss those matters. And, but it won't be a matter of gracing them. That's already been done. Even if there is a, I am so sorry. Say, no, you were forgiven years ago. Why? If you don't, you're going to give it, the scripture calls it, uh, well, I'll give you the translation. It's called topos, topography. You give, you give the enemy room in your mind to continue to replay the pain over and over again. So you relive it over and over again. So even though it may have happened 20 years ago, you're still reliving it as if it happened 20 minutes ago. And you let, it's called resentment. You let it just keep replaying, replay, 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 over and over and over again. I told the earlier service, it's like that old record players. I know I'm sounding old, but remember when it would get stuck? It gets stuck, you know, oh, baby, give me one more chance. Oh, baby, give me one more chance. Oh, baby, give me one more Oh, and somebody go, put a nickel on it. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? If you do, you're old, okay? It's an old reference. There's already a nickel on it. Then put a quarter on it, you know. <laughs> Extend it. Freely you've received, then freely you got to give. We got people shooting each other in our streets over some really stupid stuff. We've lost grace. We've lost it. And if any place should be the dispenser of grace, should be the people of God who've received grace in a community that keeps spewing it out to the people of this world because it's what they need. Are y'all picking up what I'm laying down today? I know you don't understand. Oh, trust me. Everybody's got a story, right? If you just knew what I walked through, listen, I promise you I can line up 20 people behind you that had it worse than you had it, who have learned this lesson to go, God has forgiven me of everything. I've received the grace of God from him. Who am I going to hold against anybody else? I freely receive, so now I'm going to freely give. And you're only really setting yourself free, by the way. You're not letting them go. No, you're unlocking the prison out of your own life so you could walk free and go, I ain't afraid to see anybody in Super 1 on the bread aisle. I ain't got nothing against anybody. Even if they hate me, I don't care. I was like, hey, how you doing? Come here. I love you. Doesn't matter. Are you tracking with me today? Can we just receive this together? Father, we do. We receive your word today. Holy Spirit, would you just speak right now? We can put the people. I got people in my mind right now. I grace them. Could you just grace them right now? Could you say, Lord, I grace them. Lord, I'm gracing them. I'm gracing, I'm gracing a mom. I'm gracing a daddy. I'm gracing an ex. I'm gracing just ex, fill in the blank. I'm gracing them. I've received your grace. You've forgiven me of everything, everything. So I forgive them. I grace them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for your grace. We give you all the praise and glory. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here today and you're far from God. Maybe you are like Saul, I mean, excuse me, Tarshish, uh, on, on the boat to Tarshish, you're, you're Jonah and you're running the wrong way. Stop running. Why are you going that direction? Pastor, you, the storms that have come in my life may not, may not have been because of disobedience, may have been because of your direction. 
And maybe today the Holy Spirit speaking to you. That's him. That's the spirit of Jesus tugging on your heart saying, surrender to me today. Surrender to my will today. Quit running from me. Maybe God asked you to do something and you've been running from it. Maybe he asked you, gave you specific directions and you walked the other way. Oh, his grace will bring you right back to the beaches of Nineveh if you'll learn the lesson. Repent. So today, Jesus said you can't enter the kingdom or see the kingdom until you've been born again. Would you surrender your heart to Jesus today? He's been waiting for you. He's not mad at you. In fact, he sent you here today just to hear this message. I want to pray for you today. If that's you, if you're ready to be born again to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, would you slip your hand up all over the building? No one's looking at me. Say, Pastor, pray with me today. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hands. Hold them up high. Don't be ashamed. Thank you. Thank you. Hands are all over the building. Congregation, can we just add our voice to theirs? This prayer doesn't save you. The cry of your heart's what saves you, but I'm going to lead you. Would you just mean this with all of your heart? Let's add our voice to theirs. Say this. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. I believe that you faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go, and that you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, purpose on earth, and a relationship with the Father. So today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Let's declare this. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God all the praise?